Morning, everybody. I'm David, uh, married to Karen. We've been uh, part of Gateway since... What's this hat doing up here? <laughs> Interesting props. Uh, since 1984, um, so quite a few years now. I was just, uh, I had a little word when we were baptizing Michaela there, uh, a bit connected with the windows. I walked in this morning as a trustee and thought, wow, those windows are looking brilliant. And it was a bit like the, is that the, the, the verse in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5? If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. The old windows are out in the skip, and the new has come. And I thought that was just a sort of a, a really good picture of, of of baptism as you're going down to the water, coming out again, the new has come. Um, so um, this morning I, I was sort of thinking it was just feels a little bit like um, last week of uh, term when you were at school, when you were about 11 years old, we we're uh, moving to sort of a, a new format of, of services through the summer. And when I was about 11, we used to go, we had, a, I had an exciting uh, camping trip to look forward to with my cousins going to sort of Scarborough um, or Whitby, how exotic holidays we had in uh, those days. And you could bring into school your favorite game and it was, it was um, school sports day. Do they do all that? Still do all that kind of thing? Yeah, brilliant. Um, and there's just this little worrying thing at the back of your mind is what your report was going to look like. So I just kind of Googled uh, about reports and uh, see if you can guess who these uh, two people are. Um, so this is somebody who was born in York. She would be a very good pupil if she lived in this world. Any guesses? Judy Dench, yeah, who knew, hey, who knew? And now another one um, from uh, going back a little bit further, but see what you think to this one. He has no ambition. He is a constant trouble to everybody and is always in some scrape or other. He cannot be trusted to behave. Well, no. <laughs> it's funny how that was your, your, your first thought. Actually, it was Winston Churchill who... Boris would probably be delighted that he could be uh, thought of in the same breath. So I'm talking about that because we're on the last lap of uh, Thessalonians. It's the last talk of two Thessalonians and the end of the series, which we've been called Hope and Holiness. I'm just going to do a bit of a recap because we've, we've kind of jumped in and out of this series as we've, we've gone on. So just a little bit of a recap. If you remember Paul's writing to encourage the church that he planted in the city uh, of Thessalonica some 50 years after Jesus had died. But he only managed to stay in the city for a short period of weeks because as he preached the good news about Jesus and this church began to form and people put their trust in Jesus, Paul was, he was likely driven out of the city. So the church only had him for a short period of time. And this baby church was, was born and it was pretty much on its own, suffering persecution a bit like Paul had suffered and without this, this support. So this letter is his letter, sort of a bit concerned about how, about how the church is doing. And he's delighted to hear about how well they're doing, even though uh, Paul has moved on. He commends them and celebrates that they're doing so well. Uh, he celebrates their work produced by faith, their labor prompted by love, their endurance inspired by their hope in Jesus. And he says that they're a model for other believers with their faith in God being known about throughout the region. And as Nathan spoke about last week, he encourages them to, to stand firm. And alongside all this sort of encouragement that he gives them, um, this is teaching about how to live the new life in Jesus that we've been sort of talking about a little bit as we've gone through the baptism. Um, others have covered this so well, but there's some great foundational teaching about love for one another, how to live a 
quiet life, how to be self-controlled, how to put on faith and love and encourage, build each other up, how to be joyful, uh, not put out the Spirit's fire. And he reminds them of their old lives and how to live the new life. Great teaching on how to live the Christian life. And that's the sort of holiness part of the hope and holiness part of um, the, 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 the title of our uh, teaching. The hope title, the hope part of the title refers to um, the second coming of Jesus and particularly um, where he has to correct, Paul has to correct some wrong teaching that was around that some had tried to attribute to him. I don't know if you've ever come across um, um, the um, YouTube um, summaries of, 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 um, that you can find from the Bible Project. If you Google for, for books of the Bible and you put Bible Project, it gives you a really good summary of a book of the Bible. And if you look at the one for Thessalonians, it's kind of summarized. The title of it is What You Hope For Shapes What You Live For. And I thought I would just turn, turn around my, my talk this morning and, and just say, how I live shows where my hope is. So how I live my life, how I spend my time, my money, my energy, my thinking, my speaking, my reading, is a function of where I put my hope. And my hope is in following Jesus. And that sort of um, drives how I, how I live my life. So we're on to the last uh, chapter today of two Thessalonians. I must confess, I made a bit of a mistake. I was talking to Nathan last Saturday and realized that uh, I'd covered the whole of uh, uh, the last chapter of Thessalonians, but actually I was only supposed to cover um, part of it. So there's six verses that I, I felt God gave me a few things on them, so I'm just going to share them. So my apologies if, we're, if it was a bit of um, duplication, but I thought I'd, it was it was something that God gave me to share this morning. So I don't know, Mark, if we can put the, uh, the, those first six verses up. And the first thing I wanted to say is, um, right at the beginning, uh, Paul asked for prayer. And he asked for prayer, um, just in red there, for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honoured just as it was with you. And it just, the first thing I, I, that I wanted to share from that was that... Um, what do we, where are our prayer priorities? And I do, did a bit of Googling, what do people typically pray for? And the top three that came out was family and friends, my own problems and difficulties, my own sin. So those were the top three. And then if you Google, have you ever prayed for something? Some of the things that came up was your favorite team to win a game, uh, finding a good car parking spot, not getting a speeding fine, but appropriate for me. Um, so it sort of just struck me that, um, I mean, I, I, I've prayed for my football team to, uh, to, to, to score goals, and I've prayed for car parking spots. Um, but it's just interesting that Paul's priority was that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honoured. That was where his prayer priorities, not within himself. That's the first thing that came to his mind. That was just something to, for me, really, sort of, is that my priority? When I pray, is that part of my priority? So that was what, the first thing that, that I got. Um, the second thing um, I've got, which is a word I've been carrying for a few weeks, is in verse 4. Again, I've done it in red there. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things that we command. So he was confident that the teaching that, they, that he'd given them, they would put it into practice. And it's just this word confidence. I just felt that God gave me a word about how 
we need, I need to grow in confidence, grow in confidence about the power of the gospel, grow in confidence about the power of the, the Holy Spirit, and to see more of that in our lives, to, you know, just to have that confidence or faith, if you like, in, in, in the gospel, in the power of God's word, in the power of his spirit. And the last thing that I got was um, just again uh, on verse 5. May the Lord direct your heart into God's love and Christ's perseverance. And the, the, the word that jumped out to me was perseverance. And I sort of did a little bit of research. What is Christ's perseverance? And Jesus came into the world. They did not, we did not recognize him. He came to his own people. We didn't receive him, rejected him. He was threatened to be killed from his birth. His own brothers did not believe in him. The religious leaders were always trying to trap him. And the disciples were slow to believe what he said. And Jesus one day knew that one of them would betray them. And he persevered right throughout all these things. Um, and, and the Bible asked us, run with perseverance the race that is marked out for you. And just felt there was this sort of word about perseverance. And we persevere by fixing our eyes upon Jesus. So if that speaks to you this morning, I think what God is saying is, yeah, I see what you're walking through. Fix your eyes on my son, on Jesus. That's a long preamble to what I'm supposed to be talking about this morning, which is about idleness. And I think, oh, do I have to do this talk on idleness? So the, the, the heading in the Bible, Mark Buton, is a warning against idleness. So I'm the one who has to talk about idleness this morning, just when you were looking forward to your summer holidays, putting your feet up. You might not call it being idle, but just having a rest and chill out. Um, idleness is, dis, uh, is defined in dictionary as a state of inaction, so just chilling out. Um, idleness is a sort of funny old-fashioned word, which always makes me, it takes me back to, um, I was part of a four-man badminton team back away, back in 1977, when we won the Yorkshire School's Badminton League. Hey, you didn't know that I could play badminton, did you? Um, and as a reward, our, uh, our coach um, took us to Harry Ramsden's, which was a great treat over in, uh, towards Bradford there. I don't know if it's still there, maybe it is. Um, but the other treat, and this is a bit bizarre when, when, I, when I look back, was to go and see something called the Idle Working Men's Club. Because we just thought it was such a bizarre thing that there would be a place called Idle Working Men's Club. And you're all looking a bit bemused. Why would you find that interesting? So we went over to the Idle Working Men's Club, took a picture of this, and were just absolutely delighted. Well, things pleased us uh, easily in those days. But in case you were wondering, there is an Idle Women's Institute as well, just in case you were wondering. <laughs> so again, another couple of little jokes. Just let's see if you get these jokes before I get into the talk about idleness. And what is the rapper name of Jay-Z? Jay-Z, not Jay-Z for anybody who was at the, uh, at the quiz. What is the rapper name of Jay-Z's lazy brother called? Lazy. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, and the, maybe I need to cut out these jokes. Uh, in 2019, if you stayed at home all day long playing games, you, you could be described as lazy. But by March 2020, this would make you a responsible, law-abiding Adult. And this is where you could do a little bit of a political joke, but we need to stay away from, from those. So, um, if you look at the, the verses on idleness, um, it's, a, it's around work, um, it, it, and, and I'll come on to it in a bit. So, it's important for us to define at the beginning what do we mean by work. And those that listen to the um, talk by David Oliver on work, excellent talk, 
Uh, if you missed it, you can pick it up on our, on the I think it's on the on the website. Um, and his definition of work, and this is this is particularly important, is act, activity involving mental or physical effort. So that's quite wide, wide ranging. And if you look in the Oxford Dictionary, it goes a little bit further. Activity involving mental or physical effort in order to achieve a purpose. So um, work is any activity, mental or physical effort, to achieve a purpose. So here's a few questions to see whether think these, these are work or not. So is being a teacher, Ben, work? I think you could say yes. <laughs> Is volunteering work under this definition? Yes, because it's got a purpose behind it. Is being a stay-at-home mum and dad work? Yes. Is being a life group leader work? Looking at Manson thinking, shaking his head. Yes, it was a lot of work. <laughs> yes, of course it is. Okay, so is spending your time um, on the sofa watching uh, the Open Golf, Wimbledon, the Tour de France, the Women's Euros? That's what I used to do when I was... Uh, no, not the women's Euros, because they didn't really have it on TV in those days. But does that constitute work? Not really, unless the purpose is just to find out what's going on in, the, uh, in those events. Not really. Um, I did a lot of research on this, uh, on, on idleness. And, and there's actually, bizarrely, there is a book called Reclaiming Your Right to Be Idle Around. I wouldn't really recommend it, but I, I, I got it. I got it on Kindle. And, and the author of that book would actually be delighted with somebody who just sits all day long watching sport on the, uh, uh, on the sofa. And he wants, to, wants us to reclaim our right to be idle and just to, to mess about. And Oscar Wilde said, the exquisite art of idleness, one of the most important things that any university can teach. So he didn't have a very... He, he thought, oh, it's just, it's just chilling out. But Paul, when he's writing this letter to the Thessalonians, clearly raises this as an issue for that particular church. In fact, it's the second time that he raises it in his letters. In, in, the, in his first letter to the Thessalonians, he says, warn those who are idle. So he's had one go at it, and clearly they're not taking any notice. He needs to uh, refer to it uh, uh, again. And here we are, it sort of it goes up a few uh, notches. Um, so he says, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive um, and does not live according to the teaching you received from us. And this was a command in the name of the Lord Jesus. This, was, this is quite powerful. This came with authority. Uh, the apostles did sometimes do commands, uh, give commands when, when needed, but they tended to, they were only in accordance with grace and the gospel. So the the problem of idleness was so prevalent it had to be addressed as a command. And it's interesting to note, this is people in the church. It says every believer. So it's people in the church that were being idle. And he goes on to say, keep away from the idle and the disruptive. Um, and he says, what, you know, it, keep away from every believer and does not live according to the teaching you received from us. So what was the teaching that they had uh, Received, And that comes in the next verse, in verse 7. Um, the teaching was, follow our example. And that was something that Paul did quite a lot. He said, follow my ex our example. He talked about being an, be an imitator. And the reason he was saying that was because he was imitating Jesus. So in following his example, they would be following um, the example um, of, 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 of Jesus. 
But the, we need to just be absolutely clear on this. The focus of this command relates to those who refuse to work or unwilling to work. And remember the definition of work, rather than those who are unable to work. So we're not talking about people who are unable to work because of the state of the economy um, or because of uh, an illness or a, or, a, or a disability. We are talking about people here. This is what Paul is talking about, who um, were unwilling uh, to work. And, and his, his example uh, here that he gives, that, that whilst he was with them, he could actually have, you know, quite within his bounds to receive uh, some, some, some money and food for what he did. But he, uh, he, they, were, they had a, a, a side job themselves um, so that they weren't dependent upon that church. Anybody know what, what Paul's job was? Tent maker. Yeah, interesting. Um, so if we go with the definition that I'm, I'm using... Uh, mental or physical effort towards a purpose. Paul was referring to those who deliberately given up, stopped, lost purpose perhaps. Um, and, 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 and you just wonder, well, how could this happen? How could this be the case um, in that church community? There's a few possibilities as to uh, why that would be the case. Firstly, um, some of the um, commentators say, um, that people were so expectant about Jesus' return that they thought, there's no point in us going out to work and earning money because Jesus is coming back soon, so no need to do that. So that was one possibility why um, people... The other possibility that I came across was that um, I think still in those times there was this something called this, this sort of system of patronage where um, they kind of some of the uh, people in the church sort of got connected or... Uh, worked with more wealthy people and became sort of a little bit dependent upon them. And Paul is sort of effectively saying, don't be, uh, don't be reliant upon other people. You know, earn your own income so that you don't have these influences coming into your life because of your dependency upon it. And thirdly, could it be that simply people were just happy to re- rely on others? There was no general system in those days of like uh, safety net, social security, government help. It was church, church was there. Church was, was there as a, as, a, as a safety net. And it could be that people would, there were just some people that just said, you know what, I'm not going to work, I'm not going to graft. I'm just going to uh, mess about. And the Bible actually has quite a lot to say about laziness. I haven't really got time to uh, go into it this morning, but Proverbs and Ecclesiastes is, is full of, of, of verses. And I'll just touch on one in Ecclesiastes where uh, through laziness, the rafters sag. Because of idle hands, the house leaks. So the Bible is saying, you know, th- this is not how we want it to be. You need to have, uh, you, need, you need, need to work in accordance with that, that definition. Then on to the next verse. In, uh, we hear that some of you are, oh, we've gone. Uh, I'm going to just go on a bit further, Mark. We hear that some of you are idle and disrupted. They're not busy, uh, busy Bodies. Again, we're not talking about people who are unable to work, just people who have chosen uh, not, not, not to work. And there are busy bodies stirring up, stirring up trouble. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. Take special note of anyone who does not obey our instruction. Do not associate with them in order that they may feel ashamed. Yet do not regard them as an enemy, but warn them as you would a fellow believer. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of what um, is doing, of doing good. Um, so some thoughts about what, what the heck does this, how does this uh, 
apply to us today because clearly in that church community there are going to need to be a few crucial conversations between the people who got the letter and the people who uh, fell into this category because Paul gave it as a, a, a command so you, you might be sitting there thinking well this doesn't apply to me in any shape or form I kind of graft away I earn put, to put food on the table happy days this doesn't apply to me at all and just remember we're not talking just here about paid employment we're talking about work being a mental or physical effort to achieve a purpose and I think the key here is to is for purpose and our hope uh, in Jesus will shape how we live and how we spend our time money and energy um, and I think what this passage should say to us is there's no way I want to live and to, to get potentially criticized like the way Paul had sent that letter and it's a call to live a life that is productive for God a calling that God has given to you not somebody else's calling or what somebody else thinks you might be but it's a calling to know our calling from God to know what I am doing whether it's in uh, paid work whether it's work at church whether it's a volunteer um, whether you're retired at different times different seasons just to be clear um, that you know what God uh, is calling you to and one of the things that going back to what David Oliver when he spoke to us is look for doors to open I've sort of carried this word that he gave us a couple of weeks ago look for doors to open for uh, an adventure with God and that, I think that's a sort of exciting thing um, and, and you can sort of start where you are whether in, in your if you're paid employment in the office or school or wherever it is that you would just be asking God to open some doors um, um, and, and, and look for uh, this, this adventure with God. And just a couple of other things that uh, I believe God spoke to me about um, this passage. And they might just actually be for me, but I'm going to share them with you any, any, anywhere. And the first one was, could we actually be busy with the wrong things? There's, there's this expression there about busy. They're not busy, but they're busy bodies. Um, so could we be busy bodies with the wrong thing? Um, and I had this sort of um, this, this picture... Um, I don't know what your phone is like, but mine's full of different apps. And every time you need to do something, like you've got the NHS app, and if you go on holiday, you need to get a, an app for the airline. That, and, you, and you've got that many apps on your phone that it sort of slows down the operation of your phone and drains it of power. And that's just a little bit of a picture, you know. Are we, is it possible that we are busy, me, uh, with the wrong things, the, the things that maybe goal, uh, God has not particularly called called us to maybe not bad in themselves but um just you know we just need to are we listening to what god was saying do we need to rationalize what we're doing um and the and the other the other thing was um in relation to idleness could we just is it possible that some of us maybe have simply uh, lost our way um uh, and and maybe lost sort of sight that we're created to love God be a witness and make disciples, um, be rich in good deeds, and and just kind of lost our umph as it were. And the and the picture I got here was a bit like my my electric car when it sort of runs down from run, when the power's run down, you need to recharge it. Um, other some of us, and, and when that happens, you just kind of it's not that you you become idle, but you just spend your time on other things that that um, you know the the things of God maybe have just sort of gone down the the the, the priority uh, as, as as it as it were and just felt that there was a sort of a call maybe some of us are, are, are in that 
position that call to refuel like we uh, did on that church weekend or recharge, call it what you like. Um, and, and, and that felt that, that, that was the word. And, and, and how do we do all of this? And, and the, the kind of conclusion to, to the talk, and, and Paul does this in, in all of his letters, um, he talks about, this is the final greetings. Now may the Lord of peace give himself, give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. Paul, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand, which is the distinguishing mark in all my letters. This is how I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. He starts his, his letters with grace and peace, and he finishes them with grace and peace. And I think that's just a fantastic sort of picture of all those things that maybe God has just put on my heart to share with you this morning that that, that, that that's how it finishes, that we can, you know, if God is speaking to you about any of those things that I've, uh, I've mentioned, our, our priorities in prayer, our confidence in the gospel, the need to sort of persevere, are we busy with the wrong things, maybe have we lost our way. The, the, the place to come to is the, uh, the Lord of peace. Um, and ultimately, um, we're hearing Michaela's story this morning, the ultimate source of peace is Jesus when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So we can have a sort of peace in our minds, but that ultimate peace that passes understanding in our hearts, we only receive when we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. And there is an opportunity to do that this morning. God is here by his spirit and always saying there are opportunities. And what a fantastic thing that would be that on the day of baptism that people put their trust in the Lord of peace here this morning. So that's me finished. I'm going to pray now. and Maybe the band could come back up and we just see what else God might want to say to us. So Father, just thank you for your word. Uh, sometimes these things are a bit difficult to unravel, Lord. But I just pray that by your spirit, uh, you would speak to us this morning out of this word. Some of the things that I've said, Lord, maybe that they would speak to people. And we just ask now for the presence and the power of your spirit uh, as we continue to worship. Amen. Thank you for listening.